Boom, look at that. <laughs> awesome. Good job. Awesome. How many oh, monkeys was that again? How many minutes how do we have? <laughs> now? How many months? Now? Because let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not starting that clock again. That's not happening. So... Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and I've got four hosts joining me this evening. Got uh, Master John Christian, good evening. Uh, the Dapper Dungeon Master Troy Sandlin. Hello, hello. I was about to say, I don't think the salute will actually translate into the podcast, but that's fine. He saluted everyone out there. I, you don't I mean, know. Don't be the boss of him. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's, he's so good. He flosses so well when it comes to the, the salute that it, you can it transfer. I'm sorry, Troy. Carry on. Yeah, as I mean, you were. Too late now. You done effed it up. Yeah. He's quite dapper. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Stole my thunder. <laughs> Uh, and then these other two yahoos we got with us tonight. Uh, let's see. I'll, I would give them a nice adjective, but let's just stick with Master. Master Skeeter, Master Levi, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. Happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, okay. So tonight, uh, this is not our regular episode. This is one of our interviews. And um, uh, as as if you've been listening for a while, you know that these interviews don't have... Uh, a set track. We just like to uh, get to know more members of our community and point you towards their cool stuff. Um, we bring people on that have caught our eye, whether on Kickstarter at or on a convention or writers on, you know, drive through or whatever it happens to be. And uh, we just like to pick their brain and see why they, uh, why they found themselves in this hobby. Um, so, uh, Skeeter and Levi, if you're uh, if you're ready, um, I'm gonna start off with a couple questions. I was born ready. Yeah, by all means, man. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's just start with the simple one, and we'll start. Uh, let's start with Levi. Um, let's start with Levi here. Levi, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how did you find yourself to be a part of the RPG hobby? <clears throat> oh wow! Um, so I was one of those kids that grew up in like. Um, you know, the, the the deep south in a deeply, you know, Christian environment. Um, and at the end of a, a dead-end dirt road, you know, where there were no other kids, you know, and they, the only people that, that I met were at school or, you know, the kids in surrounding, you know, places or farms. So uh, um, I ended up stumbling across a battered copy of the Monster Manual at a yard sale. This guy, this guy that lived down the road from us uh, had a yard sale. His son had passed away, um, and he had been uh, in the military, and I, I basically inherited his his old uh, D&D books. Now, and then shortly thereafter, I, had, uh, I, I mailed off for a copy of the Red Box. And I got a copy of the Red Box, and I had – so I had, I had a you know, BX copy of the Red Box, and then I had a, uh, a D&D, you know uh, – an AD and D first edition monster uh, monster manual, and they didn't make sense when you paired them together. They had no idea, and I had no dice, zero dice. I kept talking about D tens and D twenties, all this other stuff. So my friends and I were just trying to figure out a way to play this game because it's not like you could go down and just buy dice. You know, we we're in the middle of Arkansas. You know, there's yes. no way that you're. Yeah, rocks, you're man. <laughs> 
Um, so we were we were like flip, we were flipping coins to see whether or not you know hey if you get heads you you hit tails you you, you know you miss um, you know the same with saves and it just kind of that's that's how it started and then eventually you know I, I met other other people who actually had the books and the dice and and, and whatnot and it kind of grew out of that but those were my extremely humble beginnings um, very uh, I mean it was all imagination because we didn't have modules we didn't have you know, any kind of, uh, we had Dragon Magazine, any of that stuff. We were just making up stuff as, as we went. And, you know, you look back on it, it's nostalgic, but good Lord, it was whack. It was the craziest, like, you know. <laughs> no, I love it. Are you kidding me? That's like, yeah, you know, that's very Jurassic Park. Life found a way. Like, we're going to, yeah. we'll figure out, like, don't worry about the the pluses and minuses. We'll just flip a coin and see what <laughs> ends up happening. I love that. That's like, yeah. that's pretty that's like that's uh, that is incredibly ingenuitive. I wouldn't. Have, I don't know if I would have been smart enough as a kid to to go that route. I'm like, well, I don't have dice. I just I, I can't do it without dice. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. So, well, I mean, I, it, it never really says dice. It just says D. And we had no idea what D oh, meant. Yeah, yeah. We're, we were like, uh, listen, we need to figure out an outcome somehow. Let's just we'll, we'll, we'll you know we'll flip a coin, and then. We kind of made it up. It, it, here's another weird thing about that whole scenario was I ended up playing over the phone with, with people, you know, and this wasn't like a group. So you, you'd call one person and have like a two hour phone call where the two of you are, you know, going back and forth. One guy's telling the story and the other person's trudging through the, you know, whatever makeshift dungeon. And uh, we're just throwing things at each other and, you know, crazy, odd, bizarre, you know, I, it's probably the, the reason that I write the stuff that I do now that I'm the way that I am. Is because of those, you know, phone calls with friends for three hours on a Sunday, and my dad's like, "Get off the phone," you know. But but dad, hey, we're about to fight the, you know, the I don't know, the mud golem or whatever, you know. So yeah, blame on D and D. I love that. So so you were you were like the innovator of virtual play. Yeah, <laughs> that's you, really strategy. You blaze the yeah. trail. Yeah. Mm. That now, is the lowest tech virtual tabletop ever. Lowest, yeah, Wonderful. The, the VT Wonderful. is still a kitchen table. That's right. Yeah. 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 But I mean, you, the kids couldn't do that nowadays because, you know, if they get a if they get a video game and they don't have the controller, they, they can't flip a coin. No, true, true. Uh, so, so I gotta ask, like, like typically there's a, there's a second part to that sort of story. So I, I have a similar story that I could tell actually right across the border in Kansas, right? Uh, that's where I grew up and where I live. Um, and typically the second part of that story where you start if in rural, smart, small town, Southern America, you know, super Christian household and you stumble across D and D it, there's typically not a smooth sail. Um, from that point to here, did did you run into or or, or, or did you manage to uh, uh, get a good tailwind? Oh, so let me clarify. My parents were not uh, were not Christians, and, and you know, listen. The, the people that I ended up uh, that I ended up playing, learning actually how to play the game from, and you know, getting exposed to all the other great role playing games, they they were Christians. So like I'm not saying anything bad. I don't want this, 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 people to think I'm saying anything bad about Christians because yeah, I'm what not are you saying, man. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, because the, the people who paved the way for me later um, and really taught me the game, uh, they were great folks. So um no my parents were they were they were very like my mom was a big science fiction fan. You know, my dad was he was pretty open minded. I mean for you know 
a guy raised in the in the forties in, in in small town Arkansas. He was a he was a pretty he, was, he had a pretty open mind at that point. Um, but no, I, I ran I got ran into little stuff during the Satanic Panic, um, and that was from folks at church, you know, that that knew that I, I had I had some polyhedrons in my pocket one day at church. Um, mm. Was showing to some other kids after 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 um, after church was over, and I got a little. I know, a little hubbub over that, but nothing to really write home about. You're like um, you're like hiding behind, like around the corner, and and showing them to everybody like their dirty magazines or cigarettes to all the other kids. Yeah. You guys see them <laughs> huddled around it like these, like ooh, <laughs> devil guys. Their sides. Yeah, this was got twenty. Oh, <laughs> exactly. oh, oh. What kind of witchcraft is had- this? More than six sides. I remember I spent the night with these with these kids. We were like 14, 15. But we were you know, spent the night, stayed up all night, you know, drinking soda, playing D and D, and watching heavy metal videos on Headbangers Ball. And then, hey, you know, yeah, all, yeah, and then you know, and then the, the next morning, their parents were like, "Okay, now we're going to go to church." Levi, you stayed over last night. Do you want to come to church? I'm like, "Of course." There are girls at church, so <clears throat> we went. <laughs> and uh, no, it's the truth. So we we went, you know, we do all the the Sunday school, all the, all that stuff. Everything, everything's fine, and they have like a potluck like an hour later. But you have this we, like weird like forty five minute hour break. So we're walking around town, and they had just uh, you know, the church is right downtown, very small town. But uh, this hippie lady had opened up this um, opened up this little store called Crystal Dreams Books and Things, and she was the only person in that town ever to carry not only dice but like. You know, second edition D anD D had just come out, so she had all like all like the three core books. You know, um, so we were just going by it's there. A heretic. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say so, in, in a small town in Arkansas, I'm surprised that her yeah. her house didn't get burned to the ground. No. That's coming so from I, somebody who lived in Arkansas during the 80s. I, I get oh, it. Well, yeah. Then you, all right, then you know. Um, no, but you know, during during that hour break, I bought some dice and had them in my pocket because I was going to take them home. And then after the potluck, I'm standing outside. I'm showing these kids like, oh, look at these cool dice I got. You know, they were like, um, remember the Chess X Gym dice? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the, yeah. It was like, and those were like super cool at the time. Like you know, you could you couldn't even get over on them. It's just the best. And I was like, kind of shaking them and showing them. And uh, this guy walked by and he was just like, yeah, that's you know, it's the devil's yada yada yada. You know, whatever. He kind of threw a little fit about it, and I, you know, got kind of. All right, you know, and I didn't go back. Like, you know, two weeks go by. I don't, I don't go back to this church or go over to my friend's house. And then one Sunday morning, you know, like our afternoon, like we get a knock on my door and it's like these three guys from the church and then like the guy from the Sunday school. And he's like, we're actually here to apologize about this man's behavior. Like, we were wondering where you, we were wondering where you were um, for the last couple of weeks. And then we asked your friends and they said, that, oh, that you had been freaked out about the dice. This guy had yelled at you. Um, and they came to apologize. They're like, that's not, you know, he's, he speaks for himself. That's not who we are. You know, my dad, who doesn't know any of these grown men who have just knocked on their, knocked on his door to talk to his 14 year old son. He's this big six foot four, you know, country boy with his arms crossed standing there going, uh huh. Yeah. So it was, uh, that's cool that they did that though. That's really, really wow. Very, yeah. That is, that is not my, that's not my shared experience, by the way. I, I had a, mine was, uh, Little Hellfire and Brimstone Church in rural Arkansas near uh, Fort, uh, Van Buren, Buren, Van Buren, and Fort Smith, like right there on the Oklahoma state line. And mine was, uh, I got like a forty-five minute to an hour long near exorcism after Ooh. I brought in not D and D stuff even. I brought in like it was a it was a Dragon's Lair 
pieces of a board game that I'd found literally in the trash. And I was fascinated by them. And there were a couple sure. of cards and th- like little magic uh, swords and whatnot. Yeah, it was uh, not not as not as pleasant as that. So just I'm just going to be of zero interest to any of your listeners or any of the rest of the guys in this in, in this uh, talk. But where in Arkansas? What was the name of the town? Van Buren. It's uh, Van, really no, I know Dora, Van which is right on the right right outside of Fort. Yeah. Uh, Fort I, yeah. I, I grew up in Mina. Oh, right on. You okay, know? cool. Yeah. So, okay, so, so no, again, you're right. Away. No one else knows what we're talking about. It may as well be Greek, so we'll have to we'll sign anyway, away after this. I'll are those places on the moon? Uh, they may as well be. They may as well be. They're like the land that time forgot. Everything shuts on shuts down at like six o'clock in the in the uh, afternoon slash yes. evening. Yeah. Yes. The one the, like the one Sonic or McDonald's that's in town closes for, uh, like dinner's done at like six o one in the evening. And You're speaking my childhood right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, as much as as much as that is fascinating, I I feel like we have <laughs> no, we have not. we have we have we have determined that Skeeter is like the um is the Cinderella of our story at this point. Um, what? Uh, pre glass glass shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh, well, then <laughs> it really works. Um, but but has been left abandoned in the attic. Um, so Skeeter. Uh, Let's 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 turn the spotlight on to you for a, for a moment here. Tell us about your your beginnings. Well, my story is not nearly as fascinating because I grew up uh, in civilization, uh, just <laughs> right out right outside of Seattle, Washington, where you know they have phones and televisions and not dirt roads and stuff Sonic like that. And a McDonald's. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. McDonald's within uh, rock throwing distance. Uh, no, I the the weird thing for me about when I started playing D&D is I know the exact day because um it was when the Seattle Supersonics were playing for the NBA championship, I got bored with the game and I went down in the basement uh with my cousins and they happened to be playing this game and there was all these papers spread out all over everywhere. And they had these three little brown books. And if if you know what they are, then you know where this is going. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were they were talking about fighting these giants, and I was like, I I want to do this. <laughs> and so they they brought me in and they showed me how to start playing. And the story wouldn't be nearly as interesting if I didn't point out they were all way smarter than I was. These are all the the gifted special kids that were, you know, three grades higher than where they were supposed to be. And then there's me who could like count. So, you know, I I I think at this point I'm I had just turned eight years old. So we're we're playing and we're doing and of course died. All of uh, all of my cousin's friends let me let me get killed and I started creating other characters and just kept doing it and i never really stopped playing from that point forward like a lot of people quit during college or when they're getting their families together or whatever i just kept either when i didn't have a group i would read the books when i had a group i would play and it's been 43 years now which makes me feel ancient, <laughs> but yeah, um, that's that's how I started, and I started actually 
being a paid part of the RPG business about 21 years ago. So, yeah, and uh, it makes me feel real bad that I haven't gotten further than I have, but I'm kind of a lazy SOB, so... (laughs) I, uh, it's, it's only, it's only been the last, uh, 10 years now. Oh, geez. Now it's like 15 years. Uh, so maybe I've been working. I'm the, I'm the journeyman RPG guy. Right on. I love it. I love it. Well, that, that's a good segue then that, and that's the follow-up question is like, so that's the beginnings. And then like, where are you now? Like what, what corner of the, of the, uh, of the community did you carve out for yourself? And, and what do you like to do? And I'll, well, we'll stay with Skeeter for a bit, yeah. The funny thing is that Levi and I both got our break in actual uh, paying RPG gigs from the same guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. So when I had done, I had just started doing some freelance things where you could... Uh, you know, when 3.0 came out, uh, there, there were all these companies had these contests or, you know, submit your spells for our book. You know, people just wanted content and they couldn't get enough of it. So uh, basically anybody could uh, could get their content published. And I had done a couple of things. I remember I submitted some spells to a book and I got a $5 check and I thought I had made it i made it this is the greatest thing ever uh and then i got on the message boards for this company called necromancer games and i was the like the third person who signed up for it and uh it was the first time and this was in 2000 or 2001 something like that and this was the first time I was on message boards for companies. So we started chatting with all these people and talking and come to find out these are actually the guys who own the company are, are in there and they're talking. And um, one of the guys, Casey Christofferson, was writing some material and he didn't like the game mechanics. So he couldn't figure out how to make this trap work in the game the way he wanted to. And he asked me said hey do you know how to do this and i was like yeah and i just whipped it out and and sent it to him and he's like i have about 12 more of these do you want to do them and i was like sure you know not not having any clue about oh people get paid to do this no i just wanted to do it for fun and then uh anytime casey had a, a game rule or mechanic issue i would I would do the math for him and uh he did all the writing and as levi can back me up casey is a prolific writer so it kept me very busy and then that kind of launched me into more content editing that i did for necromancer and just regular editing and uh yeah just built from there Hmm. But Levi's got a very similar story with Casey. Oh yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, but Casey is uh, he's he's a good friend of mine and and really my mentor. You know, he, from the from day one, he's kind of held my hand uh, when I was like shaky legged uh, dough 
you know, emerging from the the, the the brush, you know, he was he was that guy who was like, hey, listen, it's going to be all right. Here's, you know, yada, yada, yada. Here's here's how it's done. Um, <clears throat> I was trying to um, I, I had I had a module. I had some content. I had some other things that I that I wanted to publish. And I was trying to get Frog God Games, Necromancer Games to to, uh, to to take a nibble on it. You know, I was trying to basically just just to get seen, get my foot in the door. And Casey was the only guy that I knew in the in the industry, and I had met him at a con in Oklahoma like 15 years previous. I'd been running a uh, a Rappanathic, a 24-hour Rappanathic game um, with an, with another DM. We were taking six-hour shifts, and we we're just doing this long-ass dungeon crawl. And uh, I, I we got up for a break, and I came back, and this there's a strange guy sitting in the chair running my game. And I'm like, hey, what the hell, man? You know, like, who's we? This strange dude has just stepped in and is running like it killed two of my players, you know? Uh, he's like, oh, hold up, hold up. And his name was in the book, you know, that we were running. And he introduced himself, you know. I mean, you know, it kind of went from there. And we just stayed friends, you know, for all these years, you know, just on Facebook and in MySpace, if you want to go back that far. And uh, then we would run into each other at these very small cons in Oklahoma. We'd always kind of rekindle our conversations, and he's like, "Hey, you really should, you know, put something out. You really should do something." And I was always kind of like, "Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will." And then one day, I, I, I was like, "I really want to break into the, the the biz." And he says, "Well, you know, I, I know you've been trying, but what you should do is you should just do it yourself." And then he's like, "There's this thing called Kickstarter," and I was like, "What's that?" And then that, you know, boom, that just started a whole, you know, me just going into a whole rabbit hole about crowdfunding. Um, and after failing to kind of get a nibble, you know, on, on any of my stuff, I was like, you know what? I am going to do it myself. And I, I just, I made my first module. Again, Casey held my hand. He hooked me up with artists. You know, he walked me through layout. He, you can mm. do this. Don't do that. You know, um, and I was able to, to get out my, you know, to, get, to get my first module out um, and have it be, I don't do, I didn't blow the doors off of anything, but it was enough to get it funded and to pay everyone and to have it look good, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. What, so, what was that first module? Oh, it was called uh, Jungle Tomb of the Mummy Bride. It was like an old, yep. like, uh, and it's wonderful. I like that. I haven't. Yeah, yeah. I, just, awesome. I love the name. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, just, you know, it harkens back to the old school. You know, we, we we all know those those modules that had those. You know, you you put in a verb here, add a, a couple adjectives here, boom, you got a title. <laughs> it's kind of like, yep. like, like Universal Monsters title too. You know, it's got that, mm -hmm. that same old school feel to it, like very pulpy. Like a pulp. Yeah, that, that was kind of the, the thing, you know, is, is to have a, a kind of a grindhouse style, which, you know, now, the, the, at the, you know, in the current climate, that's a very common thing. You know, you get a lot of that of, of those kind of adventures. Um, and I wasn't the first to do it, but I, I really um, I really love that style of, of storytelling and role playing. Um, and, you know, that whole the, the very cinematic um portrayal of you know the, the game mechanics you know which dc like a game like dcc does very well you know you can do mm -hmm. like with like the uh heroic deeds and the you know all the spell burn and all that kind of stuff you can really get into some very cinematic moments in your game and i i really like that so that was the kind of the push that i had for for uh my first module and all the, the ones that have come after but um but yeah, that's I I got to wet my beak a little on my own stuff, and then that kind of got me. I don't want to say noticed, but that got me my foot in the door enough to where I could, I could basically tug on the pant leg of of a few people and go, sir, please, please, can I have can I have a job? You know, and then 
every, every now and then somebody would throw me up, you know, would, would let me wet my beak on their project a little bit. You know, let me, let me do 5,000 words or like Casey, let me do um, 36,000 words on City of Brass. Um, nice. Yeah. Very nice about that. So, um, but it just kind of picked up, you know, and I would do my own stuff. And then, you know, here we are three, four years later and, you know, things are going fairly decent. So. Yeah, like looking, looking at your your products. Uh, I, I should have said at the beginning, but um, I met both of you guys for the first time at Gamehole Con. Um, but uh, some of your stuff was was well known to us here on the podcast ahead of that. I think um, I know we talked about like uh, the glimmering crypt of the uh, Iron King uh, yeah. phylactery got brought up. I think mm-hmm. uh, when that was live. Um, so, uh, like to me. Um, there's a really interesting and I'll, I'll, I'll rope uh, Skeeter in on this too um, for both of you in that I find you both to have this really interesting uh, conglomerate of both uh, a lot of 5e products or at least some 5e products but then this mixture of uh, OSR systems and mm-hmm. also uh OSR sensibilities even integrating into your 5e yeah. writing right um and i i think i we talked about this briefly at your booth but like that's something that i think is this is a really interesting and rare crossover typically if you're a, if you're an OSR guy you don't want to touch 5e with a 10 foot pole if you're a 5e guy you're like why would i want to why would i want to walk backwards right um so oh are I, we going to get into this well, I just, love talking about edition wars, let, man. Let's, I just I'm let's fascinated by I'm fascinated by the fact. Like like I, I think that, you know, if, if you go on Kickstarter and you look at the creators, there's not a lot of people that are bouncing back and forth, right? Yeah. And um, you can tell it too, right? Like I've I've read I've got um Crypt of the Science Wizard. And it and one of the and I've I've read through it and one of the things that you state very emphatically is, you know, more or less analytical players are going to have a harder time with this. There's a pretty good right. chance that you're going to end up dying. And this is a 5e product. Like telling them flat out that there are going to be things in there that are not going to be solved with dice, but that you as a player are going to have to solve, resolve yourself, think through. And if not, then the consequences are you're going to have to re-roll, you're going to roll up another character as a result of it. But that's that is not something. There's there are like it's like playing it's bowling and not having bumpers. On. you know it's like you may you may gutter ball at some point or another and that's kind of like you put that out in the front and that to me is a very osr like dungeon crawl classics like that it's that sensibility and bringing that into 5e i don't see that out there very often in 5e specifically instead a lot of other creators will put that in a Morkborg or in dungeon crawl classics or some other kind of like an, an engine or a product using their engine to kind of flesh that out there, but not within that 5e environment. Well, uh, one of the things that I've always talked about <clears throat> regarding addition uh, wars and rule sets and all that stuff is the, the main thing is have a good story. Mm-hmm. The game mechanics don't matter. If, if you are writing a module to the game mechanics, you're missing a huge chunk of what adventuring and and dungeon delving and exploration is all about. You write a good story and then you put the mechanics to it. Now, if you're if you're converting that story to a system that 
has more player engagement and character livelihood. I'm trying to dance around making it, you know, saying a softer game. Um, If, if, if you're going to put your story in that mechanic, you need to let people know, Hey, this may not be for you. Uh, I don't want you to spend your money on it. If you're going to get halfway through this and then hate it. I don't, I don't want to do that to people. But I think there is enough. Uh, I mean, 5e is vast. It has done more for D&D than anything beyond the first time D&D ever got published. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all the other editions are fantastic, but 5e has really just skyrocketed. And some people like it and some people hate it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, RPGs are like pizza. Like everybody has their pizza they like, mm-hmm. and it can have whatever toppings on it. You pick and choose. It's cool, but it's still pizza. So everybody loves it. There are enough people in the the five e um, game that some of them want what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't want a game where things are easier than they used to be mm-hmm. you know th- they they want some they want some potential death and uh, i mean specifically for crypt of the science wizard when that gets when that gets played at conventions uh when the characters roll their skill checks and they get you know they get a success that doesn't mean they bypass the obstacle that means they get more information and the players get to make the choices for their characters Mm -hmm. it's not the dice run in the game it's still the players and they are engaged and i would even say they are more invested in how their characters are going especially after that first guy burns up in a fire (laughs) then then they know then they know it's real and it's like oh i didn't see that coming (laughs) oh it's that kind of game right oh 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 we're doing this yeah, so and they saw the five E uh, sticker on it and thought, "Oh, this is World of Warcraft. That's no problem at all." You know, uh, for for some publishers, there is a okay. We're going to go through this encounter. We're going to lose this amount of resources. We're going to rest. We're going to go to this encounter. We're going to lose this amount of resources. No, uh, like when people ask me, "What's the what's the level? What's the five E level for Crypt of the Science Wizard?" I said, "It kind of depends on the player." Because mm-hmm. uh, first level characters can go through the whole thing. Twentieth level characters can fail just as easy as first level. I mean, obviously yeah. not because twentieth level characters in five E are you know gods. So yeah, but yeah. but it's that kind of thing. Um, it it depends on the player, and if you're going to be a player and you're going to half ass it and think it's like a computer game and oh we're going to save right here and then we're going to go on it's like nope sorry hmm. <laughs> that's that's not how it works the obstacles in this are not designed to challenge you the obstacles in this are designed to kill you so put uh, some thought into it or you're going to die and that that's a great a quote somebody needs to put that on the back of a book right that feels a lot like uh it harkens back to the style of game design uh, like uh, the Tomb of Horrors 
right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what level you go in as, it's not necessarily the the challenge rating or whatever XP allotment that was assigned to that mob or monster or whatever, as opposed to there's an obstacle or a puzzle that you have to think your way through and right. then a breadcrumb trail out information about it, details about it to where you have to make a decision one way or another. At one point or another, you're gonna there's no net beneath you. Your character has to do something in order to progress. Yeah. And you just pray that yeah. you did the right you're making the right decision. When I started writing Crypt, it was my homage to Tomb of Horrors. Mm. But you can tell. I yeah. I didn't want to make it the you know, supposedly Tomb of Horrors was Gary his his effort to screw with with the players and like, oh, this is unwinnable. Nobody can think of this. I I didn't. I hate puzzles like that. Mm-hmm. I I hate puzzles where if you don't have the encyclopedic knowledge of the person who wrote the module, you would never figure it out. That I, that's mm-hmm. dumb. That's not fun for anybody. A lot of these are physical obstacles, but in addition to them being pretty complex unless you're thinking about it the right way i actually put resources in the crypt to help you but people don't put that together mm-hmm. and what's fantastic is i usually stop my convention games about 15 20 minutes early and then we just talk about it and the look on people's faces when they get some of the background and, and I tell them some of the history and I tell them what ties to what they are blown away. Because mm-hmm. awesome. the, the play is one thing, but I also wrote it for the game master to give them some ideas. So it's like a source book. And, it, and it's not just like, oh, this this thing exists in a in a vacuum. It's like, no, this exists, but this over here can trigger something over here and it's dynamic and as things change things get harder or potentially easier and now with level two some of the things that happen on level one are explained in level two and now it's just like minds blown that all of this is going together i mean it's blowing my mind as i'm putting it together (laughs) i'm like yeah okay i left this kind of nebulous because i wanted to build on this idea it's like oh my god that is really awesome i would love to play in that (laughs) so it's it's turned out really nice i adore it that's the right type of adventure yeah yeah i love the way you you talk about it and you're like you know a first level group can go through it a 20th level group because one of the things that i just i just really do not like about it's not just 5e it was also fourth edition and you know it kind of it felt like it kind of started in third edition and that's the forced balance i i I do not i do not like the idea of everything being on the same level for whatever level of dungeon that you're on or whatever level of adventure because that's not how stuff works Mm-mm. Right. And and that's that's yeah. always been in the game um as far as like even advanced D&D. I mean when they mm-hmm. had the when they had the charts in the dungeon master's guide. You know, randomly roll on this chart to see what's on this level. It's like mm, nah. I, you know, <laughs> I I can be uh 
I can be on level one and and there's some kobolds and there's some goblins and oh man, if it's really tough, there might be an ogre. Mm. You know, <laughs> that that lulls you into yeah. a sense of. I mean, it. I'll be harsh. It lulls you into a sense of stupidity as a player if you know you're only going to be challenged by, you know, six kobolds or, uh, you know, four goblins or there's going to be 12 brigands in a broken down keep. Mm-hmm. You know, that's no. And and their big bad is a giant spider, mm-hmm. which honestly, that's pretty bad. <laughs> but, you know, that OK, that's not interesting. If, it's a if, sense of if, complacency for sure, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it it really reinforces that whole video game mindset of, well, if I can access this quest, that must be that must mean that I am of the of the appropriate level that I can hopefully manage it and maybe just breeze right through it. And yeah, yeah I've I've had players do that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, I, I keep telling you. Well, John, running we is always an option. John, we did, yeah. It's John things, last week, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. My John. my last my last game with my players consisted of them thinking that there was an incremental degree of difficulty, like a video game. My my players said it after the fact. We did kind of a post mortem, and they're talking back and forth about what they thought they were were going up against. A lot of it was like they looked at it like a video game. And they've, I think we've been, it's a, 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 it is a dichotomy or an expectation that's been engendered over time of like, a a game is going to get incrementally harder, but all of the powers that you accrue and that you utilize over time will meet the challenge and it'll be the same actual challenge level every single time you go into it. It just feels like, like uh, hit points, right? For all these hit points, you're going to get more hit points. The bad guys are going to get more hit points. But don't worry about it, because the stuff that you're going to do is going to do more damage to meet it. So it really is just a wash. So it's really kind of a, just a 50-50 split, no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's really on normal all the way up. The The game doesn't scale from normal difficulty to hard difficulty to nightmare mode as you play, right? Or back and forth, right? And so, but what, what I've seen with that, though, is in the last several years is more of an uh, an open world mentality about game design. You kind of see it with uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, where it's, you could walk into a space in, in Breath of the Wild and get murdered by something. You could literally go and fight Ganon at the very beginning if you want to. You see, you see that more and more with game design, so I think that there's like... That the cool thing that you're talking about that you're able to bring in a, in a tabletop environment where it doesn't do that that per, that typical progression that other game designers are saying that there's value in that other players there's something that's missing and whenever and that's what's so funny about it too is when when you do that players think it's a novelty like oh my yeah they they who thought of this this is so innovative I'm like no we've been doing that all well, along for all this actually time. so <clears throat> um Last year in the pandemic, I mm-hmm. did a bunch of playtesting for Crypt Level 2. Or mm. this year. I don't know. Time. <laughs> Time is a construct. Uh, and Levi was in one of my playtest groups. And in Crypt Level 2, there is a certain area where you leave a hallway 
and then you go into another larger hallway and there is a being in that hallway that you can't beat mm-hmm. essentially i mean okay just so for for all of the people listening on the podcast there's a titan in the hallway <laughs> and awesome he generally what happens is everybody decides oh yeah you know blast him every resource they have goes at him and he basically wipes you out mm-hmm. every time and then i just restart everybody and then they come at it with another tactic and and do all this stuff and it wipes them out again uh levi had one of the most creative answers to that um but after after the playtest session is over, people say, what the hell are we supposed to do with that Titan? I mean, what's the deal? And I said, what did you do when he came into the hallway? We attacked him. Like, mm-hmm. you yeah. started the fight. <laughs> Maybe not attack him. <laughs> and, and the key is, if you go into the hallway and do not interact with him, he leaves you alone. Mm-hmm. But that's not what anybody thinks about. Mm-hmm. Like in Crypt of the Science Wizard, in a certain spot of the hallway, there's three metal levers in the wall. People instantly start messing with those. Mm-hmm. There's a checkerboard tile floor. People instantly start bouncing around trying to figure out what the patterns are. All of that was specifically written to screw with players, not characters. Mm-hmm. This stuff has nothing to do with they they don't put themselves in the character's place. And that's the mm-hmm. immersion that I'm trying to get. It's like get out of your head. You're you're not a player. You're you're not gonna outsmart the GM. I mean you can outsmart me. I I'm just a giant piece of play doh. You can outsmart me. But me as the GM and, and designing the world you're gaming in, you're not gonna outsmart me. Be the players and be invested and follow the clues that I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard uh, of the, uh, there's a game on the old the Nintendo, the old Nintendo. Have you ever heard of Shadowgate? Any of you guys? Yeah. The reminds I think I've heard of it. Played it. Back in the day, what you're talking about of that, like, even back then, people act like there were these small, really, really cool places in game history, electronic game, video game history, right? Shadowgate did that, where you go into a room and there's a there's a dragon in an alcove at the other end of the hall, and if you if you do if you try to attack it, you die. Oh instantly. God, yeah, no, I do right? remember that. Right, I you remember it, that. You, you attack it, you die. If you take something, you make sure you take the right thing, or you die. If you take the, the fir- if you take a shield first, you can stay there for a couple more rounds while he blasts you over and over again until the shield finally melts and you die. All right, so even in video games back then, that choose your own adventure kind of path that you had with yeah. stuff like that and that to me is awesome the only i think the hard the hard place the hard place that i find with that is that in a video game like uh, start trying again is just as easy as hitting the reset button whereas in ongoing campaigns where you've they've invested a lot of time into it my my players got they got frustrated a handful of them got frustrated because they were expecting one thing and then i defied their expectations by putting something out there that they not necessarily that they couldn't beat but they couldn't beat it by just going in and leroy jenkinsing it like they had been right you know they have you're gonna have to think through this 
You can't just go charging in and you can't split up for God's sake. You know, you've done that this entire time. You're going to have to think, be cohesive. But anyway, so yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that as a, as a designer too, whenever I'm, and whenever I'm running games. But I, I wonder how much of that is just like, I want them to play it a certain way. You know, like one of the things that Gygax was known for is, I don't like the way that you're playing my game. So I'm going to yeah. change all the rules to make sure you play it the way I want you to play it kind of thing. You know? Well, I know, I know Levi subscribes to this as well, but when, when I'm writing a scenario, I'm kind of thinking of it like a movie. Because mm-hmm. I've even started adding side boxes in everything I write that says cinematic element. Hey, this right here was inspired by these three movies, mm-hmm. and this is what I was thinking. So incorporate that if you want. Yep, I love mm-hmm. that. And and Levi's Levi does that. You know, everything he writes is some weird acid trip seventies, you know, movie that's just wonderful. I just sit around and read his modules like books. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh God, this is fascinating. <laughs> well, let's okay. let's pop over there for a half That's a moment. Very kind of you to say, excuse me. I think I think that's the other part of this uh, interview that I wanted to touch on, which is that we've you know we talked a lot about systems and balance and 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 or lack thereof. But uh, Levi, you're doing a lot of things that are trying to, at least in my in my mind, trying to just steer away from that sort of talk altogether and just focus on. What's inspiring? What can I write that gets you to, you know, uh, express or describe something to your players that that they've never seen or heard before? Um, I thinking about your phylactery books. Obviously, mm-hmm. your magic and shit book is is along those same lines. Is like no one else, no one else has a book like that on their shelf. Um, I swear uh, that book. When I, I, I got I, I got the PDF, I read through, and I'm like. This is a wizard that drank the bong water. <laughs> I love it, man. I absolutely love it. I love it. I have incorporated so many of Levi's items in my playtest campaigns. People have no idea what to do with it. I, I mean, they're, they're out there just enough that everybody is concerned but they always yes i want that item but i don't know what it's going to do to me right Mm -hmm. Right. yeah it's great well then you're going to love the sequel uh for zine quest it's called uh vulgar display of magic (laughs) and if you're a you're a 90s metal fan then you get it so oh yeah i love that title oh man awesome and it's uh, it's spells instead of magic items this time it's all it's all spells yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, so so, so okay. that's that's awesome. So that is your neck. Is that your up next upcoming project? Then is a is a zine. <laughs> no, I, I've got another zine I want to do before then. But I I, I need to. This man, these <laughs> these paper shortages and then Kickstarter shipping shortages. Uh, they're jacking with me. So I've still got three projects I need to deliver before um, I throw anything else out. Like I I owe that to my backers at least. I have plenty of stuff written already. I've got three projects that are just waiting to go out that are that are written they just need a little bit of art here and and layout and they're they're ready to go so it puts me ahead but um i need to i need to make sure that the backers are taken care of before i start putting out any other projects but levi does cool stuff with his magazines like talk about your your latest one which which one that you can't buy the book oh (laughs) i love this this is the greatest thing ever (laughs) 
<laughs> it's yeah this well you know the, you, you get your creative juices flowing and you you can't stop creating anyway you guys are all designers you know you know what it's like you just you can't the, the it never turns off so you're always right. writing a dungeon you're always making up npcs or you're always coming up with an adventure jotting down notes so um i had this kind of side project that i that i had going on i didn't know quite what to do with it so it came out to about 16 pages and I, th- I thought, let me slap this together in like a cheap little zine, and um, I don't want to sell it because you know, like it's not it's not very slick. You know, it's not like the you know the, the paper quality isn't great. It's not the the, the layout isn't perfect. You know, uh, it doesn't have like all this crazy great art in it. You know, it's got plenty of art. You know, a lot of, a lot of it is really really good, but um, not you know like the more the slicker stuff that we put out. Anyways, uh, so I thought, well, let me just, I'll, I'll create this thing called Steal This RPG or Steal This Zine. And the only way you can get it is I'm going to bring it to a con, but you have to steal it from me. That's the only way you can get it. I won't give Genius. you one. You I just got to take it off the table. Genius. You have to you have to take it from the table or from my backpack or steal it from somebody else who stole it from me. That's the only, I'm making 50 copies. The only way you can get it. You gotta steal it. Oh, so that. it's that a is... page out of Abby Hoffman's book. Go for it. Steal it. You know, and that's it's hilarious. That's real simple guerrilla but... marketing. If I've ever heard of it at all, man, that's so it punk. Even, wasn't even marketing. It was just like I need something to do. I can't put out a Kickstarter, at, you know, with um, with having these other three that are that are wide open, and I'm gonna have I have all these other ones coming out. So where do I even fit it in the product? Like the 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 slot. Where do I fit that in? And uh, I thought, well, no, we'll just give it away. But, like, how do you give it away? Well, no, we won't sell it. We won't just hand them out at conventions. There's only 50. Let's just make people steal it. <laughs> that's memorable is what I'm getting at, though, right? It's like oh, that's a yeah. really, oh, yeah. really great way for people to remember who you are, right? And kind of the yeah. sensibility of, like, the kind of – that goes towards, like, product design. That kind of – that same kind of you know, out-of-the-box, willing to take a risk, do something crazy – Will translate into the into the, your, the what you create, and that, that to me it's like that's a, to me is a good thing for something to be bolted onto your uh, to your um, your image, I guess, for or brand for for lack of a better term, right? It's like for people to think about that whenever they think of Levi and what he writes. It's like, dude, he did this thing over here, and it was crazy. I've got to get his next book. I, just, I think even if you weren't going for that, I still think it is a brilliant strategy. I I, it, it sounds like something you're gonna, that you need to do at every con you, you go to. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you're going to have to, you're going to have to have, you know, steal this book. Number one, steal this book. Number two, steal and oh, just no, I'm, I'm going to have this five copies to every con that I go to until I run out. And then that's it. You know, but then we're, we're can, definitely, can, we're definitely going to make him do this again. Oh, yeah, yeah, steal, yeah, yeah like, for sure. Steal, like, once I run out of copies, you can steal them from other people. Go to their house and steal it. I'm encouraging you. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> allegedly, oh, man. Levi is allegedly encouraging this. Uh, so so you're, you, can, you condone uh, B&E to steal your RPG. Oh, boy. Nope. Nope. I, oh I my have, God. Skeeter is the voice of reason. So Skeeter I have consulted. Is essentially Skeeter is the voice of reason. Yeah. I have consulted our uh, lawyer friends, and uh, Levi yeah, is out of his mind due yeah. to cold. It's all, it's and, all and not... <laughs> On the real, though, definitely do not steal this RPG, okay? Oh, definitely boy. do not steal it. 
Okay. Pod, yeah. Whatever Podcast listeners should 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 pick up the subtle noise of a head nod along with that statement. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't or think it was be, subtle. Or maybe they should. <laughs> no. Maybe they should pick it up from me. <laughs> yeah. Um, steal it from Levi. So there's a couple things I want to run through. Uh, we're, we're, we pushed you past time, and I I I. I I don't want to. I don't want to consume any more than 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 I'm allowed. Um, but I want to point people towards a couple of things. Um, the first thing that I want to point people towards is kind of your crew um, in general, right? The Independent Publishers Union. Uh, I know. Um, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Skeeter, mm-hmm. I think you 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 shared a link with me before we went live here, yeah. but um, there's what like. Six or eight, uh, six or eight of you that kind of came together. There's five of us. Five okay. um, that are the the core group. Um, it's my company, SGP. It's Levi with Planet X Games, Jim Wampler with Mud Puppy Games, uh, Ian McGarty and Jason Gardner with Silver Boulet, and uh, most recently Jeff Talanian with Northwind Adventures, who does the Hyperborea. Yeah. Game, mm-hmm. uh, astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea. If I actually got that right, I, I I give him a ration all the time that his titles are too long for my brain to uh, digest. But yeah, the uh, the five of us go to conventions, um, and it it all really started with uh, North Texas RPG Con last year. Uh, I was invited as a special guest and they gave me a table to be a vendor. And I thought, oh, that's awesome. So me with my four books in this giant table, that seems like a horrendous waste of space. (laughs) Uh, So I started reaching out to some of my buddies. We all kind of work on each other's projects and, and, and give tips to each other. Hey, use this artist, use this layout person, you know all of this kind of stuff and we just pulled the resource and it it worked pretty well um and then we decided to keep doing it because it's if you're a small publisher trying to get vendor space at a convention a you can't always do it just because the space is limited b it can be expensive mm-hmm. um so and you can't necessarily fill a table like levi if he spreads everything out can pretty close to fill up a table uh same thing with jeff talanian you know he's got he's got a product catalog uh jim wampler is building a product catalog so he's going to be able to do it but it's it's more impressive if you can have a couple of tables with a spectrum of products you know we have fifth edition dcc mcc uh other old school games uh and the whole gamut from regular fantasy to levi's weird crater mutant fantasy weird stuff jim wampler's sci-fi um Talanian's, uh hyperborea conan type stuff it, it gives uh, the consumer, once they come to our table and see the products, it's not just like, oh, you have this one thing. We are a buffet of crazy ideas 
And especially with Levi and I behind the tables, uh, if you come up and start to chat with us, you're going to be there for a while. <laughs> you, know, you you may not have noticed since we've gone over time so much, uh, we can talk. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I there's a reason that 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 uh, uh, I wanted you on the show, right, is we we stood and talked at the at your booth right yeah. and you guys have interesting stuff and and you're right like having the variety and uh you know it, not just a variety of like oh here's 13 different books but like here's 13 different books that cover eight different types of product and eight eight, right. eight different types of games or tables or whatnot like um it there's a lot there for a lot of different people. And I like yeah, the idea that you're, you're helping each other out too. That's really I, cool. I, yeah. I, I love, I love seeing other creators in the community that are helping you. They're helping to lift one another. Like, I'm not going to do your product for you. Right. Nobody expects, nobody expects that, but giving them direction, kind of taking them under your wing or even if nothing else, like it's, you know, rising tides lift all ships, you know, you're it, well, you the helping thing... each other out. It's great. Yeah. The thing about the RPG industry is you can be the most talented person in the world. RPG industry is all about who you know mm. and who your friends are. Um, an example of that was our booth placement at Gamehole. <laughs> I mean, you, you saw where our booth placement was. We Perfect. were right next to the front doors, directly across from registration tables so all the traffic that came through that convention passed right in front of us mm. and it's because we know people and are friends with people who put the convention on so we got the sweet placement mm -hmm. and you know i i know a lot of people in in games and you know at GaryCon next year I'm writing the Gary Khan module because wow. a, a friend gave my name to Luke and said, Hey, you want to do a horror module? Have this guy write it. He's, there's something wrong with him. So, <laughs> you know, so that, that is just adding to how I can help other people. Cause now I can do the same thing. I can introduce somebody to the people putting on Gary Khan. Mm -hmm. Um, we were able to get a sweet vendor spot at Gary Con because Jim Wampler used to be on staff and is still kind of on staff for the convention. So in February at Total Con, you know, with Jeff Telanian, he is tight with the people who put on Total Con. So we're getting a sweet vendor spot there too. So it it really is a, a tight-knit community if you can get the right people and do the right networking awesome oh yeah absolutely absolutely real quick there's something i'd like to say about the ipu too um mm -hmm. um when they when we call the independent publishers union obviously uh it's more of a league of supervillains am i <laughs> am i yeah, am it's I, not I, a union more like the, the legion of doom of the you know the the giant head rising up out of the swamp uh, it's it's more along that kind of thing. It, it's not a union uh, in the in the sense that you know we've, we've unionized, which is something I think um, gets lost, especially with like current news. 
in the RPG biz. Um, but we, we really do. We're a union of friends. Like we're just a gathering of, of, of dudes who came together and we're like, you know, let's, let's, we're all kind of, you know, we're all doing pretty well on our own, but if we come together, like we're going to be stronger. And then you've got yeah. guys like, like uh, Jeff Telanium with, um, with his Hyperborea stuff that doesn't look or play like anybody else's stuff. It has this, a very distinct feel to it. That is like Michael Moorcock dropped acid with Robert E. Howard. And then, you know, they, uh, yeah, you know, they got together and, and went bowling. You, you, just, you, you never know where that, that game is going to go. It's so cool uh, and so refreshing. And it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't look like anything else. And then you got like uh, Jim Wampler with Mud Puppy Games and all of his scientific barbarian stuff and all the, the, the you know, the check this artifact and uh, fight this mutant and all the, all these little source books that he has to, to support um, Mutant Crawl Classics, which he also wrote, you know, so. Um, yeah. he, he, when it comes to post-apocalyptic stuff, like to me, he's the goat as, as far of, of this current age of, of, of people, you know, he's just the greatest um, guy that's doing that right now. I don't, I don't think anybody um, really touches, touches what he's doing. And then you got guys like me and Skeeter who, I mean, we literally just write weird fantasy. We write what we want to play. You know, yeah. like, you know, yeah. we're not worried, really, really worried about editions. Like you were talking about how some stuff feels like fifth edition and OSR, how there's kind of a melding of the two. And I think that's when you get a, You get a couple of old school guys like Skeeter and I who have just kept playing all these years up through all the editions. Um, and then we, you know, we, we we're putting out stuff that is is honest and we're not trying to we're not trying to, you know, take your dollar. We're trying to, you know, we're packing these books, you know, just full of content um, so that you're having a good time, you're playing the kind of adventures that 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 we want to play ourselves, and I think that really shines through, um, you know, with with those kind of products. But you get a blend of all these different kind of uh, methodologies and, and and the approach to RPGs, and it really makes this cool, like you know, stew of of creators who um, who are helping each other out and just providing a, just a little something different. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that was a bit of a rant. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, that's great. Uh, no, I think that that you just need to we just need to cut out that that audio bit and just have that playing on loop at your booth, and then uh... right. there you go. Oh, we yeah. don't we don't have to have that on a loop. Uh, Levi says that like forty seven times. There you go. I was like, you know what? I bet he I bet he says I bet there's a reason that came out so smooth. Um, yeah. Well, this yeah. this way it saves his voice. It yeah. didn't feel smooth yeah. when it was coming out. <laughs> Um, well, here, let me do this then. Um, I'm going to point everybody uh, towards one more link, which uh, Troy's been or John's been posting in chat here. Um, uh, you can find uh, uh, Levi's stuff on uh, uh, Exalted Funeral, which, if you don't know, is an awesome website full of amazing uh, independent creators putting out a ton of crazy stuff. Um, you 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 will lose so much money when when you step into that site um but um you should you should buy levi's stuff even if it's not on sale but he was kind enough to uh uh to clue us in that uh there's going to be a black friday sale coming up uh thursday through monday on exalted funeral and you should head over there and uh, uh grab uh, one two or four of his uh products um and and the, one of the cool things about exalted funeral is it's where a lot of these kickstarters end up 
right? So you can head over, and I'm, I'm about to send you over to drive through to check out some of Skeeter's stuff, but um, you can head over to Exalted Funeral, and where most other places are only going to offer the PDFs of of these cool little projects that happen on Kickstarter, Exalted Funeral has actual copies, and uh, it's one of the few places that you can get it aside from conventions. So um, uh, I would definitely point you that way. And Exalted Funeral, by the way, they Matt and Kristen and Jarrett and all those guys – they are the salt of the earth. Like you talk about the greatest people to ever team up with. Sorry, mm. Skeeter. Uh, but you talk about that greatest people. No respect, ever... man. No respect. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're 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 wonderful. They're they're just the um, they're you could not ask for a better partner um, than the folks over Exalted Funeral. Um, I did I give them five stars, a, a plus across the board. Um, I really, honestly, cannot say enough nice things about. Matt, Kristen, Jared, all and all those folks over there—they're just—they're great. So to, you know, if you're if you're one of those people who um, who um, you know they're they're really concerned about where their money's going, where their dollars going, it's you you buy from Exalted Funeral, and I'm telling you, your money's going to to, to good folks because again, they're the, they're just the best. <laughs> well, we're getting we're getting comments in chat. Uh, Troy, are you yeah. about to point that out? Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, I, I have to point this out. We have a we have a complaint from chat mm. that now our non crowdfunding corner episodes are costing our listeners money. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so I've seen a few people say, Hey, I, I just picked up this and I just picked up that from Peter and Levi. So yeah. Uh, Thank well, you. thanks. We're not sorry. <laughs> spend, spend the money. It's worth it. Hey, we make this stuff so people can buy it. We want to yeah. share. You know, yeah, we we don't. You know, I don't want to be. A, well, I kind of do. I want to be a hermit, just sitting on the side of the road writing D and D books and just <laughs> flicking them out into the universe. But that doesn't really get it to anybody else. So, yeah, uh, yeah no, I I I, I, I know uh, a bunch of people when we were at Gamehole came up to Levi and said how much they've enjoyed uh, running his stuff in their home campaigns. People do it to me. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's why I keep doing this is it's game. me giving yeah. back to the RPG biz. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, here, uh, I, I said I was going to do it. So let me make sure I do it. Actually, um, you can find Skeeter's uh, Crypt of the Science Wizard and, and uh, several other things by heading over to Drive Through RPG. And if you search for Skeeter Green Productions, you will find it. Um, and is there another place that you would point people towards Skeeter? Uh, or uh, a better Skeeter, place? SkeeterGreenProductions.com is my website where you could get actual physical product. Awesome. Very cool. Ooh, okay. Um, and, and then last but not least, this kind of ties right into that. Um, what If people want to keep up to date with Skeeter and Levi, um, is there should they follow you on Kickstarter, on a social media platform? What's What's the best way for them to stay in the loop? Levi, I'm going to let you handle this one. It's social media. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, 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 I'm on a, a ton of, uh, of uh, social media platforms. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at it came from beyond Planet X, and then uh, on Twitter at Planet X Games Co. Co. Uh, short for company, and then uh, on Facebook at Planet X Games, and then of course Kickstarter. If you want to follow our projects, just follow Planet X Games. Perfect. Perfect. All awesome. right. Well, 
Um, I, I would I would love to have you guys on again. Um, and there's an open invitation the next time you have a uh, Kickstarter or just a book coming out or a project you want to uh, yell at people about or a convention you want people to attend or check you out at. Um, just bring us up and, and we'd love to have you on. Really appreciate Take you coming care. out. Absolutely. No, it was, it was a lot of cool fun. Hang. Yeah, it was really, a really cool hang. Uh, oh, and Independent Publishers Union on Instagram. <laughs> you can follow us there as well. That'll get that'll loop you into all of us. So right on. Total Con, uh, February twenty third through twenty seventh in Marlboro, Massachusetts. Yep. Uh, that's Marlboro. the next yeah. place that Independent Publishers Union will be. Um, Jeff Tolanian has an entire room, and everybody from the IPU is going to be running games at that convention. So very cool. Awesome. Come on, come on by if you're in Massachusetts, or just come on by anyway, awesome. and check it out. And we'll be at Gary Con after that, and then North Texas RPG Con after that. I'll be at um, PAX Unlimited here in literally just like two weeks up in Philadelphia. So yeah. if, anybody, if anybody's yeah. going for that, you know, look look for this look for this big bald head. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> and maybe you can steal a copy of uh, steal this zine from me. Yeah. Ooh, oh, there you go. We'll leave fantastic. the back side <laughs> All right. You're gonna get well, mugged. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a really interesting way of ending that story. It's like, yeah, <laughs> Levi had this idea, and then it backfired on him. It went, it went really wrong. <laughs> Here, Levi got stabbed 18 times over a zine. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not. Uh, yeah. <sighs> no. No, no. Please don't stab uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it first. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks again. Uh, thanks to John and Troy for hanging out with me uh, yet one more week. Uh, thanks to everybody who hung out for the live chat. Gurk and Chaos and Craig popped in for a bit, which I love all. seeing Craig. Yeah, wearing um, a barrel. Yeah, there you go. That's disturbing. Yeah. Bear droid, kill a lot. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing some people throughout the crowd here. Polar Knights, um, thank you so much. You made it, you made it awesome and great and appreciate it um if you enjoyed this episode um and you want to chat with us some more the best way that you can do that is head over to our discord channel there will be a link in the notes uh we talk about all things games um we also have channels in there for movies and tv shows and uh everything else that pops into our minds so there's always a conversation or two or four happening um over on the discord if you have something in particular that you want to message us about that's not uh, on a public forum you can reach out to us on facebook and uh, messages privately there. And you'll also, uh, if you follow us on Facebook, get notified uh, when we're live and uh, when we've got new shows for you to check out. Uh, thanks, everybody. And until next week, we'll see you next time. Have a great game, everybody.